Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Noter Francesco, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my grandpa, Husker Dan from Husker Max, in the beautiful city of Omaha, Nebraska. Grandpa, how are you doing this fine Saturday afternoon? Uh, how's, I mean, 40 days until Nebraska gets to destroy Minnesota in Minneapolis. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Let's hope you are right, my friend. Let's hope <laughs> I hope yeah, I have to. You know, I remember when it was 100 days. That was back in May. I know. And, and at least you can, you know, it's like the light is at the end of the tunnel. And you're, but still, 100 days is 100 days. Now it's down to 40. Tomorrow will be under 40. It'll be in the 30s. Yep. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't wait. I know. I can't wait either. It's going to be I, – I think that this season of college football, just in general, even as Nebraska fans, I'm super – as a Nebraska fan, I'm super excited about it, obviously, because of the promise that it brings, but also just as a college football fan in general. I, this season is just going to be so much fun because there are so many – with the transfer portal now, and I think we're really seeing this, so many teams can just randomly come out of nowhere and have shots at the national championship. Like you look at TCU last year. There wasn't that many transfer portal players per se, but they just came out of nowhere. No one expected them, and uh, I, I think that there's an even more higher. There's a higher chance that something like that could happen this year, um, and and just even more. And just coming off the March Madness tournament, which was crazy, uh, it, it's it, it's just going to be a fun year of college football. I think I'm just really excited for it to start and for all of it to just go. So, uh, yeah, we have well, first of all, big news. We have to talk about Preston Tomwell committing to Nebraska just as we thought. 6'4", 315 offensive tackle, four-star recruit from Honolulu, Hawaii. He joins three other offensive linemen, Landon Davidson, Jake Peters, and Gibson Pyle from the 2024 recruiting class on the offensive line. The pipeline is back open, I think we can say now. Uh, that Nebraska pipeline of recruiting great offensive talent has uh, definitely gone from a trickle to it's now at least a stream. Uh, and the Nebraska class is ranked fifth overall in the Big Ten uh, and 678-mile radius from Lincoln. Matt Rule wanted 500, and I feel like for getting as good of a class as he did, that's uh, pretty darn good at keeping well, everything that you wanted there. So I wonder how much uh, getting a kid from Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it probably skewed it a little we bit. We were like 485, and then this, get this kid, and it's like, holy you know. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's worth it. He's going to be good. I'm excited to watch him play for Nebraska in the coming years, and uh, it's just uh, glad we got him. Unfortunately, we didn't get Ernest Campbell. Ernest Campbell ended up committing to Texas A&M. We talked about him last week. Nebraska yeah. is also right now going after four-star wide receiver Gatlin Blair. Yeah, Nebraska's in his final five along with schools like Oregon and Michigan and Oklahoma, I believe. I forget who the other ones are, but that's big too because he's 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 fast uh, and that could be a huge get as well. But who knows where he ends up doing if he wants to go with success in Michigan or potential with Nebraska. We'll see. But he announced his commitment date for early August, I believe. Um, so we'll have to see where he goes. We'll track that. But um, what are your initial thoughts on getting Preston Tomwell here, Grandpa? Well, I think that's pro- – I think if maybe if you don't have Donovan Riola, you don't get Preston. That's – yep. He, you know, uh, Donovan is from Hawaii, and that that couldn't have hurt. And here's your position coach, who's also from there. I I think it's I think it's dynamite. I, I guess we'll find out a little bit later. But and and you know, the kid is yet to 
you know, set foot in Lincoln in, in terms of in a uniform. But yeah, exactly. I think it's a great catch for Nebraska. I th- I think it's just amazing what Matt Rule and his staff have been able to do in a short period of time. Uh, we're talking about months. Uh, you know, his first class was was good, uh, the 23 class, and then the 24, uh, he's had a chance to, uh, you know, get situated in these high schools and, and figure out who the players are. And I just think it's, I think he's doing a great job. I hope it translates and wins come this fall. Yeah. And man, was I wrong when saying that he was the one guy that Matt rule should have, that that was the mistake that Matt rule kept him on, but he has <laughs> come through in recruiting. Yeah. And now I, I, I see why now. And, and I'm, I'm happy that he's there. Um, so that's, uh, that's just great for Nebraska to get Preston Tomwa in. And that's, I mean, as you said, he's yet to set foot in Lincoln, but we can't help but be excited about this class. And it's just being ranked for Nebraska, Nebraska just generally for the past 10 years or so has been ranked in the top 20, yeah, kind of 25, uh, yeah. 20 for being generous, uh, class wise. And now we're talking about top 15, top 10, uh, probably not top 10. I don't know if they'll crack that, but definitely cracking top 15 on some of these rankings. And that is kind of territory that Nebraska hasn't really entered, uh, in my lifetime which is interesting. Uh, and, and it's interesting to see the effect that it's having on the Nebraska fan base, uh, just in terms of morale, like we haven't won anything yet. And I feel like you ask people that the average Nebraska fan now is happier right now than they were after we beat Iowa. Um, it, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I feel like it's true just because you look at this new talent that's coming into Nebraska and you look at, the coaching decision that was made. And I know you and I talked about this grandpa, but we initially were not big fans of rule. And I don't think a lot of the Nebraska faithful were right. Uh, And then he's kind of proven himself. So that is huge for Nebraska. Just, just Nebraska fans in general, just boost that morale right now as much as possible. And rules done a great job of that. I think that the Nebraska fan base is overjoyed with how this summer's gone and how the spring's gone for them. Uh, I mean, I know I am, and I never thought in a million years that this would be the quickness of the turnaround for Nebraska. Well, we'll get to see that, but uh, it, it, exactly. But you, still it, to it, a certain it, extent. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to rate Matt rule, Based on what he's done so far, I think you got to give him an A or a B plus, A minus, something like that. But yeah, it, well, I would, I, I might even go higher just with the resources that he's been given. Some of these players don't want to come to Nebraska because it's not a proven program yet, right? Uh, so who knows if Nebraska's coming off of nine win seasons? Like if if we hired Rule right after Pelini was fired. Who knows what recruiting class we were going to get? Uh, right. Again, that is different circumstances, different years, transport, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, point point aside, I think that Rule is doing a great job with what he's been given at Nebraska and the situation he's in. I think I'd give him an A, A plus maybe, but maybe that's too high. Uh, again, as you said, we have to see him play first. So I can't, I, I think probably A is the cap because you can't give him an A plus because he hasn't won anything yet. Right, right. Um I was lying awake the other night and I was I was thinking two things. Matt Rule's pregame talk to the the players uh on you know on just going into the Minnesota game and then what he would say to his players after the win. 
And I yeah. was just, I couldn't sleep. And I was just thinking, yeah, this, and I got all fired up. And I, of course, I was awake till about four in the morning then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you start to, you start to see some of the pieces coming together. I, I Again, I think he has, I think Matt Rule and his staff have a huge challenge on their, on their plates. I mean, if, if this thing does turn around, even if they don't go, you know, an amazing 10 and two or whatever, there should be consideration for, you know, Matt Rule to be, uh, you know, coach of the year. Um, again, he hasn't coached a game or not even a down of football. So it's, it's, I, I'm always anxious and excited for the season to start, but this one has a, just a little bit of more magic to it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think that that's what I was kind of getting at it. Why I'm so excited for the season is that there's just that the storyline part of it, in, which is so encapsulating in general uh, about college football, about sports in general. That's why people love sports is because they love the storylines in it. Of course, we love sports because we like watch the the competition level but at some points it's like oh just the storyline of this game this team versus this team that uh these guys are coming in with this story this team's coming in with this story there's all these different storylines inside the team it's just like that's what's really riveting about college football and being in it as a nebraska fan we really haven't been no in it as much right. storyline wise for the past no, no. I want to say since Scott Frost got hired I don't even even the last couple of years with Riley and Pelini before that I don't really think there was a much of a storyline uh maybe the first year of Scott Frost there was but it's not the same because he, he didn't perform so who knows as you're saying rule could put like this could taint the season if rule doesn't perform then it could just end up like Scott Frost first year who knows yeah I hope it's not I don't think it will right. be right but right. my, I guess my, my point I'm trying to make is that Nebraska has a following now by people that are not like, there's a pressure on Nebraska that really hasn't been there for the past six years. And I mean, there's always the pressure to win, but this is different. This is different. This is a pressure from outside people of ne seeing what Matt rules doing and projecting Nebraska to do well. Nebraska has not been projected to do well in the recent past. They have been Scott Frost first couple of years, Phil Steele. I was reading some of his magazines a couple of nights ago, some of his old ones. And it was teams on the rise, Nebraska. And then it didn't pan out. Then the next year he yeah. was like, all right, they lost all these Like they lost all these games by single digits. They're they'll do better. They fix it. And then they don't. And then you see Nebraska kind of get shut down as a program projection wise, where everyone's kind of lost hope in them, including the fan base. Uh, and even last year, then it's like, oh, well, the first three games, it's just a steep decline in morale. And then we end up with Mickey Joseph as coach and we you get a little bit of morale boost at the end beating Iowa. Uh, and then it's like, OK, well, what are we doing from here? And we're just sitting there kind of thinking, OK, what's going to happen? And then Matt Rule gets hired and then we're still wondering what's going to happen because we haven't seen anything at that point. But it's going to be interesting and it's going to be a lot of fun to be a Nebraska fan. I'll tell you, either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, well, not either way. It's not going to be fun if we lose every single game, but uh, it, it's still, it, it, I mean, the hype around Nebraska football. I was looking at something on Twitter uh, a couple hours ago, just looking uh, at the teams with the most pressure on them this year. And it was teams like Texas, Texas A&M, uh, Miami of Florida, FSU, and then Nebraska was in there. 
Uh, and that was interesting to me because all those other teams I listed, those are coaches that were paid big salaries, have yeah. been there for multiple years, and just haven't performed as well as they were supposed to yet. Yeah. And now Nebraska, first year coach, first year program, first year really of a rebuild, like a very strenuous rebuild yeah. of Nebraska football and Nebraska culture is the pressure is already there. And that's what that was, what's that was interesting about that to me. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, I think we can wax political on that another time we have in the, in the past, but it's always interesting to dive into it and just kind of talk about that. And I mean, as you said, we have not played a single down of football yet. So all of that could go completely out the window. Yep. Um, it come August 31st, but I, the, I hope that's it will. The allure, I hope it will. That's the allure of college. I think particularly college football, because you'd never know who the heck is going to win. Yeah. You can say so-and-so is favored by 20 points, but guess what? Sometimes that underdog comes up and nips you in the butt and they win. And that, that's why I, I mean, I follow Nebraska baseball, but do I watch other games? No. Uh, col- uh, other college, but no, same way with basketball until it gets into March madness. Um, and, uh, so, but, but college football is something I will watch any team just about any time. And I don't have a dog in the fight, but I love to see the, the, uh, the challenges, how the matchups and, and the ebb and flow of the game. It's just, it's just a, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely, bitten by that i just i'm it's a great game and so for that reason i think i think that's what you're saying it's obvious we're, we're excited about about uh watching nebraska but we're also excited for the game of college football it's just how did all this thing pan out and the transfer portal as you said is can change everything you know um you know these i think the competition is going to be just insane and wait till USC and UCLA get into the Big Ten. Oh boy, this is going to be insane, really. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I mean, that's like people, like a lot of NFL fans, like to say, "Oh, well, this is like that. Why would you? Why do you not like the NFL? You love college football. Why do you not like the NFL? Because it, they don't understand that it's a completely different game. It's it's the same game rules wise. Yeah. But other than that, it's completely different. Even with upsets and that kind of stuff, you could say, okay, well, that means the college, like, that means, oh, the college teams are just worse on average. That's yeah. true, right? Because they haven't had as much time to develop, and the NFL is the best of the college players. So, of course, that would be true. But it doesn't matter. Competition wise, the NFL's got, gotten a little bit tighter in, in the last couple of years, and it's been fun to watch. But it's not, they will never get to the point of college football because you don't have students. I, I think that a college football, just the hype around it, the passion, you don't yeah. get that in the NFL. The the, the right. widespread passion. You get it with some like the, there are some team like there's a guy that dresses up in a wolf costume every single time for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's people that paint their faces all crazy for the Raiders. It's like yeah. there are people that are like that, but it's not the same as I was watching uh, clips just of college football highlights, all that kind of stuff. That's because just that's what I do because, again, we love the sport. Uh, and uh, watching uh, Penn State's entrance to a whiteout game against Michigan a couple years ago, uh, I mean, I'm not even a fan. I mean, I, I, I'm probably – Penn State's one of my – lesser favorite teams to watch in college football just because they're a big 10 rival obviously same with michigan but still seeing penn state walk out onto that field with 
all of Happy Valley just going nuts, all in white. Uh, they have the music turned up super loud, and it's just like that is college football to me. And, and and that's what it means to a lot of people is just it's just you could just cheer it for all four quarters until your voice gives out or until your or until your team wins. It's it's there's no other option to it. There's not another way to experience it. So well, it's and, just and the other thing comparing NFL and I. I I started watching more of NFL because I have the the NFL uh, channel or whatever it is and Red Zone through the Red Zone yeah it's yeah. Just, just insane you go from one you know Grandma your your grandmother you know she, I think she was looking forward to well at least Sunday he's not going to be plastered in front of the TV <laughs> no <laughs> um, but the different one of the big differences is you could lose three four games and still have an inside shot for the Super Bowl. You can still yeah. win it all. In college football, you win three or four, you're out. You're yep. Every the games matter more. Uh the losses are bigger. The wins are bigger. Um but I yeah, I just I wouldn't trade college football. Whoever in well in, there there's iterations of the invention of that of that game, but right. the way that it is now uh, oh, and one big rule change is coming up this fall. I don't know if you heard about that. There's three or four rule changes. One of them is that the clock will not stop on a first down. Yes, I did hear about that, which is that's more like the NFL, which I, yeah. I'm kind of in favor of because then it's the the end of the game. Like game management just becomes a little bit different. And the end of the game, sometimes in college football seems to take forever because maybe i don't know maybe it takes away from the from the excitement a little bit where it's like oh they just have to get 10 yards in order to stop the clock and then get up to the ball quickly and then uh, I, I don't know but right. we'll, we'll see it it'll it'll be i, I, I think, don't think it's that I big think, of a cheat i think it's but. the last i think it's the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarter that it will stop when you get a first down i think that's I'll have to check that again. I, I just just got it recently. Yeah, that, that sounds right. If that's yeah. the case, then it still puts that element uh, of of uh, gee, you're on a roll. You got a first down. You can stop the clock. Um, so I don't know. Uh, and then the other thing, the other rule change, and we got to get in, and start talking about receivers, is that uh, you can't ice a kicker. You can't call more than one timeout at a time. So which you know, is interesting. Use the, the, that's interesting to me because I've, I've read a couple studies about that and it's really, it's proven not to really work. So I don't understand yeah. making a rule about it. I understand that's probably just for expediting the game. It's like the pitch clock in baseball kind of where it's like, right. okay, you can't stand up there on the mound for, you can't call set all three of your timeouts because if you, if he, if after one, if he's not going to miss it, he's not going to miss it after two. If you just give him more time to think about it, that's not how that works. And it's just like, okay, well, whatever. But anyway, yeah, that, that is interesting. But uh, yeah, let's, let's get into receiving yeah. room. We, we got a lot to talk about here. We, <laughs> it's probably a bad episode to start talking about college football and waxing political and all that kind of stuff, but whatever. Uh, I'm glad we got to do that. So let's go receiving room stuff. Start with tight ends. Where do you want to start here, Grandpa? We got Bob uh, Wa Wager. How do you pronounce? Is that Wag? Wager. Wager. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first Wager. year at Nebraska. Wager. Yep. Bob Wager is the tight ends coach at Nebraska's first year, of course. Um, our returning tight end receiving yards, 52 yards. Uh, and, yep. I mean, where that's, do you want to start that, here? Because that there's kind of hit me right in the face. Yep. 
that that did that did that surprise you? I think it I I went through and I checked cfbstats.com and went through all the Husker running backs or not running backs but receivers and it's like we bring back uh Nate Borkirker and he's the one who has the 52 yards cuz yeah. Fedoni didn't play enough to even get a a catch last year yeah um that's I mean that's scary you, you if we're talking about the entire receiving room, we going into this 23 season, we've lost almost 1,700 yard receiving yards because we lost Trey Palmer, Travis Vokalik, Oliver Martin, and Chancellor Brewington. And and you also lost Casey Thompson. And, and he doesn't catch anything, but he was yeah, he was a quarterback. So uh, you know, it's like wow. So the, the Nebraska returns. Uh, 834 overall yards from just the receiving core, and but that's just 31 percent of what we got last year. So, if you had a Trey Palmer back in the lineup, if you had a uh Travis Vokalek, uh, you'd feel a lot better. But look at the I think there's some there. I don't know who, who you think is going to be the the obvious one is probably Thomas Fedoni. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that Fedoni is the consensus. Yeah. Who who else do I think is what? Sorry. Yeah. Who else do you think can can get significant playing time and and make an effect? You know what? I think, well, we've seen Nate Borkature do some stuff. He just said 52 yards. He didn't play a lot because we had Vokalek, because we had Brewington that he was sitting behind. But um, I think that either him or uh, Alec Gilbert, who the transfer that we got yeah. from uh, LSU, Georgia, he's 6'6", 260. He's only a sophomore. He was... 260? Think yeah. about that. 260. That's Holy. pretty big for a tight end. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, and if, if, if you've watched Georgia's tight ends for the past couple of years, uh, they had Darnell Washington last year. He was like 6'6", 260 about as well, I feel like. Uh, and then Brock Bowers is probably the best tight end in college football in the past three years, I would want to say, ever since TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant left Iowa. Um, but, I mean, you look at those guys and you, you see that Georgia's recruiting absolute monsters at tight end. I'm I'm sure happy that he came to Nebraska um, because he's going to be a guy that I think a lot of people haven't really heard of before, uh, even, even in – the spring, like right now, I think that his name's got thrown on a little bit, but I think he's one of those guys like Anthony Grant, who is a transfer that can have immediate impact. Mm -hmm. And just that frame. I mean, that you, you can recruit talent all you want, but you can't recruit uh, genetics. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it's so hit. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with him. And I think that he's one of those guys that can definitely help out that tight end room a lot. But as I said before, and as you said, Thomas Fanoni is the easy, as long as he stays out of injury trouble, which I, yeah. I hope to goodness he stays out of it. And Absolutely. Uh, just, just for his sake as well, because he's a great, great player from what we've seen in the spring game and uh, what we've seen from spring practice and just what we know he can do. Uh it's, I'm super excited to see him fully fit, fully healthy this year, and now having a chance to take over this tight end room. Yeah, and the, the other one we've not talked about, and he hasn't had much playing time, is Chris Hickman from Omaha. He's another tight end, 6'5", 215. So he's not up that 260 or 235, um, you know, the way that Fedoni is and, uh, and uh, Gilbert. But I got to believe that, 
you know, there are going to be some tight ends. And I think Fedonia, again, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be the go-to guy. He is a, he's like a wide receiver in a tight end, uh, or he's a wide receiver in a tight end body or a tight end in a wide receiver body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the kid, I think, has tremendous potential. And you didn't really add much to that group. Um, you look through the list here, nothing really st- – well, Bryce Turner, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there's not there's not a lot, but I think that the reason you did that is because you have three sophomores in Fedoni, Borkacher, right. and Alec Gilbert that all have a lot of potential. And then Carter but, Nelson comes in next year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's going to be a insane tight end room next year. I don't even know who's we'll, we'll, next year's tight end room preview is going to be even crazier than this year's, which is uh, interesting to say. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that this tight end room could really do a lot for Nebraska. And it, Travis Voklik was kind of the only guy last year in that room. And I think now, uh, assuming Fedoni and all these guys stay healthy, uh, Nebraska will have a lot of guys that can rotate in a different, a lot of different looks. Um, I don't know how rule is, uh, with his tendency to use two tight end sets, but I feel like he has the size to do that. Cause Fedoni's six, six, two thirty five uh, as well. He's, he's no, he's no shrimp. Uh, so I mean, all these guys are massive. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how he decides to utilize these tight ends. And he's got three super talented ones. He can use all over the field, three, three real athletes at tight end, which you don't get a lot and which, and that's what needs to happen if you want to have a good tight end room. So uh, anything else you got tight end room wise, grandpa, before we move on to wide receivers here? Well, as we said, we lost Travis Bokalek and he had 240 yards receiving last year. Not great numbers. Chancellor Brewington at a hundred and then AJ Rollins uh, and Brody, Tagaloa, they moved to the defensive line. Uh, yeah. So I don't think that there's, well, yeah, it's Travis. We, we'd love to have him on the, on the roster this, this year, but, but um, yeah, I think they're, I think they looking, they're looking at the roster and, and they're pleased with the guys they have. And I'm, I'm curious, I, I suppose the one player, well, two players, Fedoni, I'm really anxious to see what he can do when he's healthy. And I'm anxious to see Alec Gilbert, how he how he performs. Um, it, it's it could be dynamite. I mean, I don't I don't know. And and everything hinges on the offensive line, as, as you and I both have said before. Yep. Yeah, getting enough time to throw for uh, Jeff Sims, getting enough time right. blocking for getting enough blocking to set up for runs to set up a pass. Like, yeah, it all hinges on the offensive line. So, uh, but even even then, you still have to have guys perform. And I think you're right about Fedoni. I'm excited to see him playing uh, fully fit for his first year. And then Alec Gilbert. Yeah, those are the two guys I'm going to be watching uh, in that Minnesota game if they they get in there. I, I mean, I assume Fedoni will get in there. I assume they'll all get in there, uh, including Borkacher. But we'll see. Uh, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver room. I, of course, Garrett McGuire, first year, twenty-four-year-old Garrett McGuire, uh, yep. first year as wide receivers coach in Nebraska, returning wide receiver yardage, six hundred sixty-two yards. So not terrible, but you do lose Trey Palmer, who was your thousand-yard receiver last year. Uh, other than that, you don't lose a lot of guys that had a lot of production. You lose Oliver Martin; he only had about two hundred yards, one ninety-five. Uh, and then everyone else was under 30 yards or didn't play at all. Um, 
you do lose the coolest name that Nebraska's ever had in a wide receiver position in DeColdis Crawford, apparently, though. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Well, he, he's at Tulane now, apparently. I, I saw that on Twitter too. Um, but uh, anyway, who? What's the guy that you're watching here, Grandpa? Who do you think? Do you think that who's our? I guess Trey Palmer replacement in in well, a way. I, I don't know. Yeah, I Marcus. don't know if you want. Marcus. Marcus Washington. I think he's the he's the go-to guy. I don't have on on our list here, but Xavier Betts. I'm anxious to see what what he can do. Yes, me as well. Me um, as well. I think I think Joshua Fleeks. He's a transfer from Baylor. He's you know he's he's played for Matt Rule when Matt was at Baylor. That kind of tells you something. Um, Billy Kemp. I mean, he's five nine, 180. I think there's some talent. On, on the uh, on the wide receiver uh, spot I I feel probably pretty comfortable again with the, these guys haven't played together as a you got a, you know a new quarterback new offensive scheme uh this is the third offensive coordinator we've had in three years yeah I mean you think about that what that plays with these kids heads if they make the game simple make the approach simple um I think these Kids will will have plays that they can run that they can do really well, and I think you're going to see that. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm anxious to see what Fleeks and and Xavier Betts. He was off last year. Um, Alante Brown certainly has some potential there. I don't know. There, there's I think there's there's enough talent there that that I don't think this is going to be a weak link in the uh, on the offense. Even though you know we were well, they, we were. Um, I think 82nd in uh, in passing offense uh, a year ago, so that was the best of of the rating that we had uh, on the offense. So I mean, there is that to think about. But yeah, I think there's yeah. some talent there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there is a lot of talent. However, I think that last year's receiving core was better than this year's receiving core. Maybe it's just that a lot of these guys are transfers and are more unproven. We only really had, um, uh, oh my gosh, Trey Palmer, sorry. Oh my goodness. um, And we really only had Trey Palmer was the one guy that was slightly unproven, but he had, I mean, Mickey had talked him up. We had, we knew more about him than we do about the performance that Billy Kemp's going to do anything that Joshua Fleeks is going to do. I I think we know a little bit about Fleeks just from watching tape uh, of him uh, from his Baylor playing days. Um, He's super fast, which, which is definitely nice. Take the top off the defense a little bit. Uh, I think that Billy Kemp could be uh, potentially a Trey Palmer replacement. I know he's only five, nine, uh, yeah. but he looked really good in the spring game and looked comfortable in that system. And, uh, he's a senior, so he'll have a lot to prove in his last year. Uh, he came from Virginia. Um, so we'll have to see what that, but I, I mean, I think it's between him and Marcus Washington will be the two carrying the load. Marcus Washington, also a senior has kind of played second fiddle in the receiving room for the last couple of years with one, uh, Samari Torre and then, uh, Trey Palmer there. So we'll have to see how that pans out for him. He had about 500 receiving yards last year. So not terrible, but uh, clearly the second best receiver in that, in that room. Uh, So, and then as you said, Elante Brown excited to see him, but I'm really excited to see Xavier Betts because he looked really good two years ago and had, it showed a lot of potential. And I think that there's a lot, there's, there's, 
really only up to go for him, which usually you say for something that's at rock bottom. He's not at rock bottom. I don't think he can he can only progress as a player if you just give him time to play. So, I mean, I think that he's going to be a star for Nebraska this year. I, I, I've, I've seen it coming for – I mean, I saw it flashes of it two years ago, and I think a lot of Nebraska fans did, and that's why we were so upset when he decided not to play. And we thought he was done forever, but now he decides to come back. So, yeah, yeah. Um, And then it'll be interesting also with uh, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda yep, yep. leaving, coming back again, or I guess coming, coming in, leaving, and then coming back again. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds to that. Uh, as mo- as I at least I remember, I don't know if many other Nebraska fans remember this, but he caught the first touchdown of the yeah. season against Northwestern and then transferred out in October. So that was kind of weird uh, in a in a weird stat line to think about uh, and a kind of a fun riddle, I guess. But it'll be interesting to see how he pans out as well because I think he showed a lot of potential but just didn't end up getting a lot of playing time, uh, except with the re- exception of that first couple games. So he's he's shown a lot of stuff that he can do. But as we've seen, Garrett McGuire is an absolute genius. So I'm I'm going to trust him on this one. And even yeah. though it doesn't look great on paper in my eyes, uh, I think that he can make a lot out of it. Yeah, I uh, I think that's going to be a position to watch. Everything hinges. Well, Jeff Sims, and I think Jeff Sims is there because he's a better runner than uh, Casey Thompson was. Casey was a probably a better passer, but I think Matt wants to have a you know a uh, RPO uh, quarterback, yeah, dual and dual I threat think, quarterback. Yeah, and I think Jeff Sims brings that. Uh, I'll be watching. Uh, Casey at uh, at Florida Atlantic just to see how he does. Yeah, same here. Um, I really uh, we we already talked about the quarterback room, but I I was anticipating that there would be a a battle between Casey Thompson and Jeff Sims going into fall camp this year, but obviously that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much about a battle anymore. I think it's a consensus that Jeff Sims is going to be that guy. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, and then newcomers, I, I totally forgot about this. We have Malachi Coleman coming in too. So you're yeah. going to bring in that talent. You're going to you bring think he's you, gonna, have, you think he's going to get playing time this this fall? Well, he has the size advantage. Oh, the biggest guy in the receiving room right now that's not a newcomer uh, is sophomore Tavion Thompson, who's 6'4", 205 from Lincoln. Uh, and I'm not seeing his name thrown around a lot. I honestly have not heard his name until today, uh, just from any Nebraska news outlets, that kind of stuff. So I think that Malachi could bring the size there. He is kind of small. He's only 185, but I bet that's a little bit off just because he's been bulking up this year. But uh, And then you also have Jalen Lloyd coming in, the track athlete from Omaha Westside, 5'11", yeah. 160 as a freshman. Yeah. And and uh, he could bring in a lot too. So we'll have to see. I think Malachi Coleman will get to play this year, though. And I think that he will make an impact uh, maybe later in the season uh, after he's gotten some downs under his uh, under his cleats. And we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think that he has the potential to make a big impact later in the year when we play against Iowa, when we play against Wisconsin in the snow, all that kind of stuff, making some plays for us. Because he's an athlete. I mean, he was an athlete uh, listed as an athlete when we were recruiting him, uh, and then decided to end up playing receiver. So he, but he's he's got the speed, he's got the talent. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where he fits into this wide receivers room. But in answer to your question, yes, I do think he will play this year, and I do think he will have an impact. Yeah, he was a kid who uh, who uh, Deon, Neon Dion Sanders uh, tried to get to come to Colorado, and 
and that was at a it was at a time that Matt Rule was just coming on, and and so was so was uh, Neon Dion. But yeah. I'm glad he's a Husker. I hope hope he stays and hope he has a brilliant career. Me too. I've, seen, I've seen film on or you. We've seen film on him in, in high school. I would love to see how he performs this fall uh, in in his final year. I think that's going to be or not not his final year, but but um, going on from his senior year last year in high school to see how he does he has a lot of stuff to learn he's you know he's going from high school to uh yeah uh, the college level and you know the game is going to be has to slow down a lot for him and yes it does you know and he did he wasn't an early enrollee he just coming in uh this this summer so but you know he has great potential uh gonna be awesome Definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that about wraps up our previews of the tight end and wide receiver rooms for this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I feel like this is a just the, the receiving core in general. I feel like it's just a kind of hit or miss this year, yeah. uh, may, maybe more than others. Tight ends I feel more confident about than I do the wide receivers, but we'll have to see. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to us today. We always appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone about the show. Next week, we're going to bring you a D-line preview, which will be interesting. We'll get to talk about some of these guys that transferred out of the tight end spots, uh, like A.J. Rollins, and are now on the defensive line. So we'll talk about those guys, how we think they can fit in, uh, and then how we can replace Garrett Nelson and all that, all those talent that just, all that talent that just left. Uh, so once again, thank you guys for listening. Go follow us over on Twitter uh, at HBT Huskers pod or search. How about them Huskers on Twitter? Uh, or you can email us at HBTH podcast at protonmail.com or huskerdan at cox.net. We will be back next week with a D-line preview. And as always, go Go Big Red! Red!